0: Welcome to Week 60, All the Balls, Jake Platter, Justin Miller. Feels like it's been a while. Has it been? No, it's been like 10 days. More than a week. Yeah, well, last time was the NBA preview, yeah, with Connor. But welcome back. I know it's a weird time, but you know what? We had to make it happen at some point. So Saturday, 12 o'clock, 12.15. Let's get the show on the road. Disappointing night last night, though, Jake, I should say for myself.
1: Yeah, yeah, It was. it's tough. We'll get know. more into it, but... It, you know, the, we were hopeful... <clears throat> Going into last night, but I think there was a, a a feeling of, you know, already already like like things weren't going so well, um, but it's tough, you know. I mean, are we Are we going into it now? That, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. Over. We'll what wait. We we'll doing? wait. I was still thinking. A rough it. night. But yeah,
0: we'll start. We'll start with a three up, three down, like we usually do. The Patriots Dallas game was a phenomenal game. I don't know if you watched that. That was the whole a great thing.
1: game. I of what am I gonna nod, the whole thing?
0: But I mean it was a great game, Jake. You thought Dallas would win pretty easily going in. I did, thought the Patriots would win a close win? game. Dallas did win. Did they cover? They did cover. Oh, okay. And um, the Patriots the Patriots are playing these teams pretty tough. I mean, whether it's Tampa Bay, whether it's Dallas.
1: Yeah, can we I mean right right into my uh, They just can't get the win. My first up would be the Patriots can hang. Um and it's not, you know, that's not one specific thing I'm looking at here, but this is the, the second time they've played what I would call a legit team. Um, Tampa Bay is obviously legit, and I I am a full believer that Dallas is legit, the way their defense has been playing. Um, and both times, the Patriots have, have stuck around. Um, I, you know, I I have no problem admitting that in both games, I thought it would be a much Bigger separation between the the opponent and the Patriots, um, and both times the Patriots really surprised me with yeah. with how well they were able to stay in the game. But I think it's something you're going to be seeing for for most of the games for the rest of the year is that the Patriots can can hang with any of them, and it's 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 a, it's a culmination of a few things. It's you know this it's this isn't a highly explosive offense. It isn't the superpower defense that we thought it was going to be. But both sides seem to be playing pretty consistent football and doing enough to to at least give the, the team a chance towards the end. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You've watched, you could
0: quite frankly say two of the top three teams in the NFC. I mean, the Rams and Cardinals are both good. but Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't,
1: I don't, great I don't teams. know if I'd say two of the top three, but they're definitely, I don't think anyone would argue they're not two of the top five.
0: And, yeah, the Patriots hung in there basically the whole game against two great teams like two this. Two playoff but, teams. But regarding I the mean. Cowboys game, he is a rookie quarterback, and Mac Jones didn't have one of his better games of the season, but he's a guy that he really hasn't made too many mistakes so far this year. He's only a rookie quarterback, and you could argue that he's looked like the top rookie quarterback so far in this class so far. What he's done has been unbelievable for I don't team.
1: Even, I don't even think it's an argument.
0: Um, especially think, with his offensive line.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that he has less – Weaponry than a uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think he, ha- maybe even has less than than Zach Wilson. It's close for me, and and with uh, Fields and Lance, you know those guys haven't really gotten in it, and out of, a ton of Yeah, a ton of opportunity to play, but Mac Jones has been the most consistent one for me, and I know that he, you know, his defense is stronger, so it, he's been able to stick around in games a little more often than those other guys, but. I, as far as consistent football and, and a lack of, you know, really bad mistakes, they're all going to make mistakes, but I think Jones has made the least of them for sure.
0: Yeah. And it, it sucks to see this team at two and four right now. Again, they've, they've been hanging in there with a lot. Most of these games so far, they lost to Miami by a couple points. The Saints game was the only one where they really didn't hang in there for the whole game.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, every year it's going to be a, a swing of, you know, a couple plays here and there. That's just the way football goes. It's hard to, you know, win every game by a score and, and be comfortable kneeling the ball at the end of the game. But really, a few plays go differently this throughout this entire season. You know, we, we don't fumble at the end of the Miami game. We don't um, miss the field goal against Tampa the, Bay. Uh, this game, Yeah, and then in the Dallas game, yeah, that pick six. I mean, it— those things go differently, and we're a one loss team versus a four loss team. And I, I think that.
0: Pelicic's been afraid to go for it all, yeah, all these yeah, four he has, too.
1: Um, I, I think that the. You know, you can't say, we're, well, we should have got all of them. The, the Patriots are. They should be. I think we both thought they'd be around a 500 team um, as the year went on, and they still could be. They play very well. But it, that, that's the way it goes. They're, they're two and four, they could be five and one. If they, you know, a few plays go differently. And it's unfortunate, but I don't think anyone was saying this team was a contender right now. And even at 5-1, and one, I don't know how much they'd be trusted. So I, I like what I've seen. The record is less important to me than, than how I've actually seen the team play.
0: And regarding this game, you already said your you're one, what was it, one up? One up yeah, for that me. was my first up. My first up for me in this game, I got to give it to Juwan Bentley, a guy that's probably the fourth or fifth best linebacker on the team. At halftime, he had 10 tackles. He finished the game with a game-high 13 tackles. Quite frankly, it might have been the best game he's played in the Patriots uniform. And this is a guy that's usually not one of the better linebackers on the field. But in this game, to me, I think Juwan Bentley might have been the best defensive player on the field for the Patriots. So he's my number one up. Number number two up for me. Again, there weren't a ton of guys that stood out completely in this game. But I think Justin Beth was a guy, the special teams guy. Had to come in for Jonathan Jones when he got hurt. Made a couple plays. He was the main reason that ball got intercepted in the end zone for the Patriots. He tipped the pass. Kyle Duggar caught it. He made a, other, a few other good special teams tackles. When Justin Bethel got an opportunity, I think he really stood out in this game. And third up for me, Damian Harris had a good game, but when Rondre Stevenson saw the field, I think he made the most of every opportunity that he was given. I think he was really good. He was probably on, only on the field for 15 to 20 snaps, but when he was on the field, for a rookie, he looked really good out there.
1: Yeah, you know, one of my ups was, that, was how impressed I was with Harris, but it really was the running game as a whole. Um, the Dallas defense is playing deep, pretty well. Um, yeah, top ten I, in the league. Yeah, round. and I think that a lot of that is the secondary. Um, they their past events has been really their their strong suit, but the Patriots, you know, went from having some real struggles uh, in the running game, and it may have been you know Harris being a little banged up, but he averaged like five and a half yards a carry yeah. against Dallas. Like no one's gonna argue that any day of the week. That's a great game, and I was overall impressed with how they did it. You know, Mac. Mac has been well has been playing pretty well, um, but it does take a somewhat decent run game to establish a strong pass if If you know a team like Dallas with a great secondary knows all they have to do is defend the pass they 're going to defend the pass and they 're going to do it well. But if you can run the ball fifteen to twenty times and, and get five yards a carry, then they they have to look out for everything and it really opens up the whole field for your offense so I was impressed with that. My third up was uh, the tight end play. You know, it wasn't, like, incredible in this game. but Henry was good. Yeah, for for a young quarterback, you need a safety net of some guys underneath that you know are reliable and can catch the ball. And looking back, you know, balls getting tipped off hands, interceptions, you know, causing a lot of issues with tight ends. I was happy that that was not the case in this game, and and they seemed to turn it around. Yeah, and then for me,
0: moving on to the three downs. Down number one for me, got to be Jalen Mills. I think he was pathetic in this game, to be quite frankly honest with you. He's a guy you got from the Eagles. You didn't expect him to be your number one cornerback. but
1: but he got burnt left and right.
0: You lose Stephon Gilmore, and you need this guy to step up even more after that loss. My cousin Matt told me, big Eagles fan, thank you for Jalen Mills because you're not going to like him at all. He sucks, and I could see why he said that after watching this game. Jalen Mills was awful in this game. He was a main contributor on that overtime touchdown to CD Lamb.
1: CD Lamb had 149 yards and two touchdowns.
0: And Jalen Mills was the guy that was covering him for the main portion of the game. Yeah. Shout out to JC Jackson, who, by the way, he had a pretty good game. He was mostly on Amari Cooper for this game, but Jalen Mills was pretty quiet. Jalen Mills, to me, had a terrible game. Number two down for me, I got to give it to Nelson Aguilar. This is a guy that had a major drop in this game. Only one catch in this game for 120 for 27 yards. He's a guy we acquired in the offseason. We expected him to be a lot better than he's been so far. He had a good week one against Miami, but after that, I think this guy's been pretty much useless so far. And Aguilar's a guy that they need to step up. If you need someone to step up, you need it to be him.
1: Uh, I mean, I hate to say I told you so, but the, the guy's speed and no hands. That's all he is. I mean, he's not like the, the best route runner. He can, you know, he knows the plays, but. He's not going to be a guy that can take over. He's just too inconsistent, and, and that's been the case his entire career, and he's not a young guy. Like, this is a pretty consistent thing for him. Um, for me, one of my downs is um, you know just being unable to get over the hump. You know, I kind of excused it a little with the the fact that I think that this team can hang with a lot of people, and, you know, we're not trying to, to win a Super Bowl right now. Um, but I do think that this team is at least – Eyeing playoff consideration, like that, that's how they should be playing. They should be striving to be one of those wild card teams. And right now, I just don't think they can get over the hump. It kind of leads into my, my second down, which I, I'm calling the fatal mistake. Um, every Yeah, every fatal week mistake. it seems, every time we've lost the game except for uh, New Orleans, it, it has come down to one mismanaged play. That, that results in in the Patriots, you know, having be in a position to win the game, going to oh well, you know, we tried, yeah, um, and you know, like the the fumble against Miami is a huge one. We would we were in in the in the range of a field goal, could have won that game. The pick six to Trayvon Diggs was a killer. I know we went right back and got the seventy five yard touchdown, but you don't need that. If, Good play. Yeah, you don't need that if you're if you're not throwing a pick six. So. It seems that every time we lose, we're we it comes down to you know just one mismanaged play, one error that it, that that you know does us in. And I think once we sort of limit how much that's going to happen to us, we're going to be winning a lot more games. Yeah,
0: that's that's exactly right. And then my third down for me, the whole offensive line to me has been the problem most of the season. But I'm going to go with Yodney Kajust for up, down number three. yadney, you know why he's my third down? yadney did you see that play that Mac Jones almost died on? He got. The
1: breath taken out of him.
0: That was all on Yanni Pat Kajust. And, yeah, yanni Yanni Kajust, so he's like your seventh offensive lineman anyways, but Shaq Mason wasn't playing this game. Trent Brown wasn't playing this game. So he started, and then he got subbed out pretty fast. But overall, this offensive line needs to be a lot better, and that starts this week against the Jets, because if the path lose this week, oh, we're going to talk, be talking major problems. Yeah, I
1: mean— the, After this gotta, game, they're two on the road. You got to Yeah, you got to beat the Jets for sure. Um, my third down in, in the last game, just to finish up, would be— um, Justin kind of touched on it, but I I am not happy with the entire secondary, um more than just Mills. You know Dak, it, it you know it turned into a high powered offensive game, but Dak had thirty six completions, um four hundred something yeah, yards. Five guys had at least four catches for that team. So th- five? this five guys, yeah, yeah Elliot. Had, had at least four catches. I think it was it was Elliot Lamb, Cooper, Cooper Wilson, and Jarwin. I and think some other guy. Yeah, so. Yeah, this it, To me, it's the whole secondary. It's the whole pass protection is you know a little lackluster at this point. This is a defense that we thought was going to be a top-five style defense. An elite defense is going to be keeping us in games. And we're lucky that the offense has been able to keep us in games because the defense has really come up short of our expectations. So I've been unhappy with them. I think they need to really step up and take it to another level if we're going to beat the teams we want to beat. Yeah, so that's the main story on the Patriots so far. Again, they got to win this week.
0: We'll be talking more NFL at the end of the show with our predictions. But moving on quickly, there was a Thursday night game that just took place. It wasn't the most exciting game. Denver, Cleveland. To give you a quick update on our pick so far this week, since we obviously couldn't tell you before the game, me and Jake both thought that Denver would win the game. Again, Cleveland had a ton of injuries. You got to yeah, give them credit. Stephen
1: started, but he really showed up. He
0: wasn't that bad. And again, they were done because people Jones got hurt in warm ups. They were without Odell Beckham for a good portion of this game. Both their running backs were out.
1: De'arnest Johnson. Dearness
0: Johnson made a name for himself in this game. Cleveland's defense was really good, and Denver has lost four games in a row after starting 3-0. Uh, Jake, overall thoughts on this pretty sad game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't really watching, honestly. Um, it, it was a game I wasn't too excited for, and um, I I wasn't expecting it to be a three-point game, but I thought Denver would, would take care of business. They had their starters, and uh, Cleveland didn't, but... I guess that, that just shows that Denver's early season opponents were a little easier than we, we thought because they started off pretty hot and now they haven't been so great and Cleveland's backups were able to beat them. so
0: Yeah, that's why I picked up Denver in fantasy. The first three weeks they were great and now just mm-hmm. drop them for the rest of the season. But yeah, Denver started 3-0, now they're 3-4. This talks about whether they should go back to Drew Locke or not. Uh-huh. I don't know if that would be the Drew right option.
1: Lot. It doesn't matter. But right now,
0: matter. right now Denver a team that's not playing good football. Von Miller also got hurt in the game. I don't know how long he's going to be out for. But if you're the if defense you're doesn't Denver, look good.
1: If you're Denver and you're and you're saying, well, maybe we should, you know, the real difference maker for us is going to be going from Teddy Bridgewater to Drew Locke. Then you, you have more problems than you think <laughs> because neither one is who you need. So yeah, figure yeah, it out. Either go way, si- Go sign the next Peyton Manning.
0: Either way, things are going good for them. And Cleveland, Cleveland's a team that should be better. But again, Baker Mayfield didn't play. And give credit to Case Keenum where it's due, I guess.
1: It's not even Baker. Like, like Baker's all right. Like, he's, he's, not, he's all right. He can make some big plays. He can, he can get some stuff done. They didn't have Chubb, and they didn't have Hunt. And they are, like, the strongest run team in the league. And they were still able to put up 90 yards with their third running back. And, yes, and their backup right. quarterback like as a as a defense if you're Denver i get that they were a little banged up but this is a defense that's supposedly strong and you are looking at a team you're you're facing and saying well they have their backup quarterback they're probably going to run the ball a little more than they than they normally do well they they're missing two of their top receivers they're probably going to run the ball a little more than they do and that guy still goes out and gets 90 yards as the third running back on roster you suck. Like, that's a problem. I, I can't believe you'd let that happen. It's
0: ridiculous. Ugly. Really. Real ugly. But
1: I'm um, giving a quick update
0: on the picks before we get into them at the end of the show. After that, before that Denver-Cleveland game, Jake gained one game on me last week because we disagreed with three. He got do I do? He got Dallas and he got the Vegas game. I got Carolina. So after six weeks, Jake's 68 and 26. I'm 62 and 32. So I'm bomb. So that's a quick update. We'll give you our picks at the end of the show. But quickly... As a couple of you are commenting right now, obviously it was a bad night last night for the Red Sox. It was a great run, Jake, but unfortunately Houston, after game three, I mean, the Red Sox just couldn't hit the ball at all. They could not hit. I believe that's our stat. They batted 110 in those final three games. The bats went silent. Hunter Renfro was silent for the entire playoffs. Kyle Schwarber had a bad series, and really nobody on this team was hitting the ball much except for Keke Hernandez in those final couple games.
1: It, it really is tough, and for me, the the hardest thing to really come to terms with is I think this entire series came down to a small handful of innings. It it seemed that, you know, even in the games where we, you know, we were getting blown out by the end, um, it was tight for a while. It was, you know, who's going to really break out first and separate themselves in this game. You know, it, I think about game one where that could have gone either way. And if the Red Sox pulled that out, you know, then they win their next two like they did in in pretty, you know, convincing fashion. They're up 3-0. They're not up 2-1. And that fourth game, I, I get that they lost, you know, big. They lost by the end. It was big. But it, in, like, the seventh inning, it was, like, 2-2. Like, it was—this yeah. was a game where— And of all, you know, they should they have been just, out of the inning. Yeah, exactly. And And this is—yeah, they didn't—they missed some strike calls that, you know, should have gone our way, and they didn't. But— you look at it, and it's it's a couple innings here and there that, you know, it, it it's waiting for whose bats are going to work, who's going to get the right pitches down the middle and, and get somebody out when they need to, and those few innings just unfortunately did not go our way, and it changed the entire series, and I, you know, I I wonder a little bit if the Red Sox kind of got a little overconfident. I, it seems like even the announcers were saying, you know, after two games, it's like, wow, the Red Sox really depleted that Houston pitching bullpen. Um, we, you know, we're looking at the Red Sox are in full control here. Momentum's all theirs, and then Game Four came around and it was tight. Red Sox could have sealed the deal, and and they just did not put their foot down on the gas pedal, and they just they just let it go, and then it's you know one two three over.
0: You got to give a lot of credit to the Houston's pitchers, though, in ga- in the first couple games of the series. The Red Sox really made Luis Garcia look into one Valdez of the worst pitchers. And yeah. Valdez was really bad at the beginning of the series, but then these final two games, yeah. Valdez was awesome. He carried a no-hitter to the fifth or sixth inning. Mm-hmm. And Then last night, Luis Garcia completely did the opposite of what he did in that game before. And yeah, those, those were their top two pitchers the whole season. And then they came out these last couple games and showed why they were their best pitchers. And then the bullpen really caused problems for the Red Sox bats. But the bats were really silenced in, in those last couple games, and it was really shocking to see after what happened even against the Yankees, they weren't expected to even be here. Were, I know. They were I picked know. fourth preseason in the AL East. Then they beat the Yankees. Then they beat Tampa Bay Rays, who were the best team in the American League. And then you're up 2-1 on Houston. You're thinking you're two games away from the World Series. And then just like that, it's over.
1: I know. It's, it's, it's really interesting the, to come in being so lowly ranked, then be at the top of the, the whole league for a good amount of the season— and then let everyone's expectations wipe away again just by playing poorly towards the end of the year. Act like you're going to give it all away just to, to get back here and get so close. It really was such a roller coaster ride this season. Um, and, you know, you can look back and say, well, you know, this was a year where we weren't supposed to do anything and we did something pretty great. Um, but now you're here and you got it. But unfortunately, in this city, pretty great isn't enough. Um, there, there's high expectations even when you get close. So. That sucks. Um, you know, I, I look back and I, I think about Chris Sale. Um, he wasn't himself. I mean, in he, the last game, it, he was good. It, it's tough. I, like, even in games where he pitches well, it's like, well, you know, he went through five innings and, and he struck out six guys, but he did give up that home run. Like, that was something I feel like we consistently saw. Like, he would, he would do well except that one pitch he left hanging and the guy sent it out of the ballpark. Yeah. And that, I feel like that happened a lot, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, still
0: wasn't himself. The bullpen really wasn't itself for the whole entirety of the season. You got to give credit to Blum where he picked up Schwarber at the deadline. Robles, Austin Davis, these were guys that contributed a lot down the stretch. But mm-hmm. overall, going in again, we didn't have a lot of confidence this would be a great season, and they got here. But again, you're two games away from the World Series, and you want to get further. And unfortunately, that couldn't happen. It's going to be a long off season. Whether whether it's Eduardo Rodriguez resigning with the same Red Sox, of time
1: as the usual off season.
0: Yeah, a little longer because they made it. They made it further, but I mean a little shorter. But whether Eduardo Rodriguez was signed back is a big question. Whether Kyle Schwarber re-signs, again, he's on a one-year deal. Hunter Renfrew was on a one-year deal. There's a lot of questions to be answered for this club. Whether Christian Vasquez comes back, another guy that's a free agent. Run it back. There's a lot, obviously, there's a lot of guys on this team that are going to be back, and the Red Sox should be good next season. Tanner Houck's going to be at the top of the rotation. Garrett Whitlock might be in the starting rotation, but it's just disappointing the way it did end this year, getting so far and just being so close to being in that World Series. Now, you got to watch Houston Going to the other series, I
1: know the
0: Braves are a win away from the World Series. They could finish that tonight, but Max Scherzer wasn't healthy enough to pitch tonight. Walker is getting the start for Game 6 against a, Charlie Morton.
1: What a terrible downgrade that I, they have to deal with. Yeah, really, a yeah. terrible one.
0: I'm think the Bra- i rooting for, heavily for the Braves. I really want the Braves to win the World Series. But I don't know, man. This Dodgers lineup's tough. I think the Dodgers are going to force a seventh game.
1: Yeah, I do too. I mean, I'm surprised they were even down in this series. And it's not the Braves are so bad. It's just that the Dodgers are so good. Their, their batting is great. Their pitching is fantastic. Even their relieving game, I, I, I love uh, Joe Kelly. So Kelly's all right. Yeah, Kelly's good. He it, is good.
0: It's been, it's been interesting, though. You think of the last four teams, and the Red Sox weren't supposed to be here. The Braves weren't supposed to be here. A Cardinals team that lost in the wildcard round had that huge winning streak. They lose, unfortunately. But now you're looking what could be a rematch with the Dodgers and Astros, who are two of the better teams for the entirety of the season. Again, we're hoping, I'm hoping at least the Braves win. it would be a hell of a story. If the Braves do get to the World Series, but you get the Dodgers tonight, yeah, I do. Looking back quickly on the Red Sox playoffs, there were some surprises. There were some disappointments. Obviously, I think the MVP for the Red Sox got to be Kike Hernandez when it's all said and done. Oh again, God. that play in center field last night, he probably should have caught. And again, he kind of he was kind of like silenced last night. But besides from that, this is a guy that batted over five hundred for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, he was he was wild. At one point, he was batting like seven ten, something like that. Like it was. It was insane, and that and that was like four or five games in. Like he wasn't just you know, like batting six for ten. He was you know he had taken like twenty at bats, and he was he had over ten hits. Like he was, he was really fantastic. He wasn't a guy I loved throughout the year, but he really showed up at the right time and kept us in games we we maybe shouldn't have been in. Um, the whole team really was at sync at the same time, and then out of sync at the same time, which is unfortunate because it led to some losses when we didn't need it.
0: Yeah, and again, there were some some surprises, some disappointments. The surprise, like it got to be Kike Hernandez, but if you go with someone else,
1: I think Devers was fantastic this year.
0: Devers was good, MVP caliber season. He was hurt towards the end, but mm-hmm. if you look on the pitching side of things, I got to give a lot of credit to Garrett Whitlock. This is a guy they got from the Yankees for really nothing. He's a guy that stepped up a lot this season out of the bullpen, and this is a guy that has starting a starting caliber arm, and I think he's a guy that the Red Sox got to really consider to be in that starting rotation next season. Whether Matt Barnes goes back to that closer's role or not, they have him signed for another couple of years. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. And regarding a disappointment for this team, I think it have got to be Hunter Renfro. This is a guy that had one hit in the playoffs. Yeah. A guy that had a great season. You've got to give him credit to where he had a really good regular season. They got him pretty cheap from Tampa Bay. But in the playoffs, he didn't really step up at all. And Hunter Renfro is a guy they needed the bat. And one hit in the playoffs is pretty sad. Yeah, definitely. But overall, it's, it's, it's a bad way that the season ended. Watching TV right now. Three teams left. Unfortunately, not the Red Sox, and
1: yeah, no one saw them be in the final four. So,
0: Jake, if you want to make a guess for who's gonna win this whole thing right now, who do you think it's gonna be?
1: Well, I mean, the safest guess is, is to eyes. say Houston because they're already in the World Series. But I, I mean, I really think that if the Dodgers get there, it's theirs to lose.
0: Yeah, I think the Dodgers could be Houston, and if it's the Braves in Houston. I don't think Atlanta can do it with the pitching. But again, they do have three starting caliber arms that are really good. I just don't think the bullpen is good enough. But we'll find that out maybe after tonight, probably after tomorrow to see who the World Series matchup is. All right, moving on to a couple other things right now. The Bruins and Celtics have both started. We'll start with the Bruins first.
1: I haven't watched a single game.
0: I've, I've watched bits and pieces, not too much. But the Bruins have played three games so far. They've won two of them. They won last night against a bad Buffalo team that was actually undefeated going into the game. But... Regarding the Bruins, Jake, what do you like? What don't you like?
1: I haven't watched anything.
0: But, yeah, so far, this is a Bruins team again. Going into the season, we thought they'd be good. They got all the talent in the world. The goalie situation is probably the thing that would hold them back in the very end. They get a rookie. They get a guy they got from Buffalo, Linus Umar. But right now, after three games, the thing that surprised me the most, I think, is the new guys that are really performing so far. Nick Foligno has been good. He did get hurt. Eric Hall is a guy that's already—he's been really good on that second line for the Bruins. And— Thomas is a guy they got in, at the trade deadline, I mean, at the, in free agency, and he already has a goal for the Bruins so far. So the guys that they've got so far have been very good. And then regarding the goalie situation, Linus Umark's a guy they got from Buffalo. First start of his Bruins career last night, he gets a win. He only allows one goal. He made some incredible saves last night. Jeremy Swayman started the season both games. He's one and one so far, but again, this is a guy that's technically a rookie, and he's a guy that's the number one goalie in my opinion. So the goalie situation looks better. Again, it's only three games, but after three games, the goalie situation looks better, in my opinion, than I thought it would really look. And then again, the defense for the Bruins, Charlie McAvoy has been incredible, and then Carlo, Grislik, you've got a lot of guys in that defense, a lot of young guys that are performing, like Connor Clifton, and guys that you wouldn't think would perform so early in the season. And then moving on to the offense, you know we talk about it all the time, the first line with Marshawn, Bergeron, Pashnok, you got one of the best first lines, if not the best first line in hockey combined, I believe they already have six or seven points through three games. And that's not going to be a problem this season at all. The Bruins have one of the better offensive units in the league. Charlie McAvoy is one of the top five defensive guys in this league. And then, like I said, if the goalie situation works out like it needs to be, this is a team that's going to be at least vying for that Eastern Conference championship, hopefully Stanley Cup. But again, it's only I mean, three games.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I, I hope we see it. I'll, um, I'll get into the team a little bit more uh, as, as the year goes on. It's hard for... It's hard for me to see the Red Sox, you know, being still active and trying to get myself involved with four different teams yeah. at the same time. Um, the your your Bru- head's spinning. Yeah, the Bruins kind of just seem like the odd man out because I, I love the Celtics too much to, to give up any of their time.
0: But uh, what do you like best about the Bruins, anything?
1: Probably their jersey color. <laughs> and the, um, <laughs> I really, I haven't watched anything. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just hope that they can keep it consistent as the year goes on and give themselves a chance when, uh, when it comes time.
0: Yeah, and when basketball is going on, we'll always prioritize ourselves to the Celtics more than the Bruins. But again, you gotta, you got to follow all four teams. Hockey's obviously I don't, my fourth. I
1: don't. I, that's why I got you.
0: And right now, looking at the standings, I mean, again, Florida actually has eight, so they're on top of hockey right now. Edmonton has 10 points. Connor, if you're still listening, is always high on the Edmonton Oilers.
1: No, he's not. He looks the Islanders. Yeah, but
0: he likes, the old, he likes McDavid. He likes Drysdale and all those guys. but
1: Yeah, you mean like two of the best guys in the league?
0: And they, and they always underperform yeah. every season. But right now, again, the Bruins have only played three games. Currently fifth in the Atlantic and eighth in the Eastern Conference right now. But there
1: you go. That's playoffs.
0: They've lost one game out of three. So right now, they continue that. They're on a pretty good stretch, I'd say. Hell yeah. But that's the Bruins so far. Again, only three games and 79 games to go. Regarding the Celtics, actually, you know what? We'll hit these comments before it gets too late um we never expected the Sox to beat the Yankees obviously not Aiden Gold said where the bats go like we said we don't know where they went they just didn't exist Greg said the Dodgers won the World Series we'll see they better win tonight first
1: no Aiden's saying fire Yudoka we're not there yet man like we're we're about to talk about the Celtics but you're you're way off course man and then Connor said how
0: are the Celtics doing Connor's still out of his pants after that First win and that. Connor other one Connor that
1: got so excited that the Knicks could actually beat the Orlando Magic, um, that that he's you know ready to talk shit. But we'll we'll see how it goes as the year goes on.
0: Before we move on to basketball, X factor for the Bruins this year. Who's your X factor for the Bruins this year?
1: It's got to be uh, Johnny Boychuk. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I, I don't know who the X factor is. I mean, like I could. I could say something, but it'd be a lie. To me, I think
0: it's tough, but I think it really is. I'm going to say it's Jeremy Swayman just because he's a rookie and he's your number one goalie. And whether Linus Umark ends up being the number one goalie at the end of the season is still a question to be answered because Jeremy Swayman's technically been better. But again, this is a rookie on a very good hockey team. And if Jeremy Swayman doesn't perform, I don't really trust Linus Umark to be a top goalie on a contending team in the NHL. So I think Jeremy Swayman is the X factor for this team. Depending on how well he does will really determine a lot for how far the Bruins end up going in the long run. All right, moving on to the Celtics. This
1: is where I could talk.
0: They've only played two games so far. Yep. They've won none of them.
1: Yep. Great start.
0: The Knicks could have been one of the most exciting games of the season.
1: They were calling it one of the best openers, like, of all time.
0: It was a great game. And then last night, obviously, one of the most disappointing games of the season. But again, the Bruins have played three so games. So far,
1: it's been the most disappointing game of the season.
0: Through two games, yeah. Celtics have only played two games so far. And right now, I was, I was saying to Jake before the show, I'm like, oh boy, this could be another one of those seasons. Again, we have 80 games left, but are you excited? Yeah, f- hell yeah!
1: I'm excited. What, the, what kind of question is that? The, like, we're zero two. Didn't think we'd be zero two, but you got it. You can't judge a team off of two games. It's an eighty-two game season. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that you know that this far in that we're doomed or you know we're not playing how we should be. If we were tomorrow we're doomed. This is this is the feel out. There's a lot of new players on this team. We got a new coach. There's so much going on that i could not expect them to be perfect off the bat if they were i would love it but they're not and i think that's more likely than than the latter so shoots and ladders yeah shoots and ladders man like i can't i can't expect them to be perfect right now and i just i refuse to judge how the season will go off of the first two games if i realistically need to look at what's happening The first game, they were in it the whole time. And the Knicks are a good team, as much as we hate to say. Yeah, the Knicks are a playoff team. They have an all-NBA-level player. Hall of
0: Famer and Evan Fournier after that game.
1: I'm talking about Julius Randle. Um, They have an all-NBA-level player. They have a guy who thinks he's good in Kemba Walker. And they have a a few young guys like R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson who are both very good players as well. Um, And Obi Toppin had a pretty great game. So... I'm not going to say that, you know, that's a game we should have won. It's a game I thought we we could have won. Um, and we went to double overtime, which leads to, to this next game. If you got your starters playing—your your stars, excuse me. If you got your stars playing mid-40s in the minutes and putting up 30 shots—
0: with, Real quickly, regarding that, we were without Al Horford and Josh Richardson. That's right.
1: We were without a few guys that we like to have in the rotation. No excuse. If you got Brown and Tatum both putting up 30 shots, playing 45 plus minutes in that game, I understand why they were a little bit, you know, soft in this next game. And Toronto was terrible. We should have still beat them. I, that's like, no, I'm not happy with the way that went. We lost by like 30 points. That's not, that's not, this isn't like a full blown excuse for me. But early in the year, when we're trying to figure out our offense and you know mesh a bunch of new guys together, I can understand if they were a little tired and and they didn't put everything. Jalen Brown's going through game. the COVID
0: troubles too. Yeah,
1: right. What, whatever. I um, mean, it did say it affects his breathing. It's not easy to go out there yeah, after Tatum, putting up. And Tatum said he, you know, he was all screwed up last year, and and you know, it's it's a it's a consistent thing that seems to be what, how it goes with COVID. You, you there's lasting effects, and I hope that that goes away generally soon for Brown because it, it would really hurt to have him hindered but the entire season. There's no excuse but for him I'm, to put up nine points or but whatever. But I am not up. worried about this team at all. Like, it, I, I want to see them do better, and I think they will. There's a lot of new guys, again, that need to figure out how to play together. But the one bright spot for me, I know he didn't play in the first game, Al Horford looked fantastic against Toronto. And I'm not going to, like, say this guy's our, you know, our savior. I, I haven't been a fan of Horford I told you I past, like the signing. But, yeah, he, I mean, the contract's massive, so I, I don't like the contract. But he looks uh, he looks better than he did when he used to play for us. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited for it. One thing I'd like to see from the Celtics more is a little bit more Cantor. Um, yeah,
0: he, he didn't play in game one. Only last played, night he played five minutes. He
1: only played last night because we were getting blown out. Um, and this is a guy that, you know, again, for, for the real listeners. That shows you how good our bench yeah. is. You want to see more canter For the real listeners out there, you know that I'm not a big canter guy. But if you're telling me. No, that, he's a big rabbi guy. Yeah, right. Um, But if you're telling me... That's for the Jews. Everyone else won't get it. Um, If you're telling me that we're playing Grant Williams a good 25 minutes a game and Cantor can't see the floor, I just don't understand it. Um, You you can spread the floor, but I really just don't get it. Um, I would much rather see Cantor get in there. Cantor was on the Trailblazers last year and had multiple 20-plus rebound games. Last night, Toronto destroyed us on the glass. We could not get a single rebound. They had like 10-plus offensive rebounds. Why not put Cantor in this game and change that immediately? Like we like most games, the winning team has more rebounds. Yeah, uh, yeah. Get Cantor in there if we're losing the rebound battle. He is the best rebounder on the team.
0: Make it happen. And not to mention, the Celtics had 25 turnovers last night. Whether Siakam is playing or not, that can't happen in any game. Toronto's without their best player last night. Pascal Siakam, in my opinion, is the best player on that team. Even probably, though I'm not a big fan.
1: Probably. I is think he's the best like overall Van talent. Van Vliet's pretty good. Um They stink. That Toronto team's terrible. They're terrible. They're they're god awful. Last night, we last night, okay, so the Celtics have two clear cut all star level players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. These guys have been consistently balling for years. And last night, a guy whose second game of his career, Scotty Barnes, who we both saw as one of the bigger busts of the draft, absolutely destroyed them. Yeah, he had 25 points. Did whatever points. he wanted. Did whatever he wanted against the Celtics.
0: And that's when my concern comes into play watching the Celtics team. Again, it's only been two games. But who's going to be that consistent, reliable third option? As much as you hate Kemba Walker, he's a guy that you could count on. No, nope, couldn't a, count, on count on a. You could count on him to put up points. Nope. Are you going to count on Dennis Schroeder to put up 15 or 20 points tonight? Are you going to count on Al Horford? Are you going to count on Josh Richardson? Are you going to count on Marcus Smart I, who didn't I score get, any points last I get, night?
1: I get what you're saying. I am more comfortable counting on Schroeder to get 10 than I am Kemba to get 17 or 18.
0: I don't and think Schroeder's look so good so far.
1: Kemba blows, man. I take I Kemba over Dennis Schroeder any day of the week. That's not the question. It it's on this team? Yeah, if I could swap Schroeder for Kemba straight up, I would do it. But that's not the question. It's it, it's you know would this team it, be better role... with Kemba or Schroeder? Kemba. Yeah, but that's not what they're doing. That's like that that's I, I don't like the argument because we went out and got Schroeder on a a minimum contract. Yeah, but
0: who's gonna be the consistent third option? You lose Kemba and you lose Fournier, who are, in my opinion, much better scorers than Richardson, Schroeder, Al Horford. Who's going to be that third option? Marcus Smart, your starting point guard. I don't think it's a good, going to be a good decision no, at all. No,
1: it, and it's unfortunate that it's going to take a team effort, but I like our depth a lot more this year than, I, than last year. Yeah,
0: the year. depth is better because you're bringing Schroeder and Richardson off the bench. But right now, I think either Neesmith or Lankford or somebody's going to have to step up that mm-hmm. hasn't really stepped up in the past. Mm-hmm. And right now, again, it's only two games, but you need they, somebody to step up. They
1: to, have to up. figure it out. They're, half the team is new. They have to figure it out.
0: If you lose to Houston tomorrow night, then, then you're going to start being water. We will not lose to Houston. And yet, it won't happen. We'll see what Jason happens. Tatum
1: alone will beat that team.
0: And again, Tatum always sucks in that first game for some reason. I don't know why. I remember That's two, not true. Two years ago, he, he shot like 6 for 27 last in that first year, game. Last
1: year, he hit the game winner against Milwaukee yeah. in, the, in the first game. He shot
0: like 8 for 25 Though in that game. Yeah, he, never he, shooting. he banked
1: in the game winning three.
0: Yeah, that was a good shot. And then the season kind of sucked from there on out. But Tatum, yeah, Tatum's the guy you're going to count on to be that number one option. He's probably going to lead the team in scoring. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jalen Brown.
1: And again... Who would you be surprised if it was?
0: Someone other than Tatum or Brown. Who would you? Uh, Canter. And, and another thing that I was kind of thinking last night, with the guards, with Smart, Schroeder, Pritchard, there's somebody that's not going to be getting a lot of minutes. And Pritchard already is only averaging 12 minutes through two games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a guy that might need to see the floor more. But how are they gonna get him in there?
1: Well, I would like to see him more. He's a scrappy guy that can make some plays when he's rolling. But you know, maybe it was t- maybe it was just that the fact that they were playing Toronto last night, and and Toronto was an exceptionally long team with some bigger guards. But Pritchard, they'd switch they'd switch him onto a big, and then Toronto would get a lot of offensive rebounds, and it really hurt the Celtics' flow. Um if Pritchard is unable to, you know, keep guys out of the paint, then, then he may need to see the floor less, unfortunately. So
0: who's, who do you think um, Connor Howe said, I, I told you Scotty Barnes is nice. Yeah, Connor liked him. Got to give him credit through that game. Then Sarah Kendall said she's going to the Patriots game tomorrow. Good luck, Sarah. Hope you got good I'm seats. I'm glad you're
1: going tomorrow at 1. That's when the game is. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: And then um, regarding the X factor, like I said, I think the X factor for the Bruins was the goalie, Jeremy Swayman. Again, we talked about this. For the Celtics... I think the X factor is Marcus Smart. I don't. Why? Because you know exactly what he's going to do. You love him, though.
1: Yeah, you do. But I, I, do, I do love him. But if he's a um, starting point guard? No. See, to me, to me, the X factor needs to be someone Al that— Al Horford? Al Horford is a better X factor for me. Like, the reason for me that Smart is not an X factor is because you know exactly— He sucks. No, yeah, well, no. It's not because He sucks. It's because you know exactly what he is going to do. An X-factor needs to be someone that could either do nothing or do everything you need them to do to win the game. And Smart is not that guy. You know what you're getting from Smart. He's going to play, for the most part, high-quality on-ball defense, make some good plays here and there, and unfortunately come up with some, some bad plays every now and then as well. Some poor shooting nights will happen from Smart. I don't think he's an X factor because he's not all of a sudden going to turn into your prototypical point guard that's going to go out and get you 15 and 9 every night. Like... It, a, be, a better X factor for me is Horford, someone who's older, someone who could bring out you know one more strong year in his career or could completely tank and be the worst contract in the league. He have a, a better season. X factor could be Dennis Schroeder, a guy that is coming off the bench when we need consistent scoring and could either go out and you know lead our second unit to nothing or lead it to a more consistent game that could lead us to wins. Um, a bigger X factor for me would be Langford or Nismith, guys that are going to be either clutch shooters for us, you know, give us strong bench minutes. Lakeford was good in that first game. Or put up some terrible shots and, you know, really deflate our second unit. Uh, I don't think Smart is an X-Factor.
0: I think Smart is the X-Factor. If he's a starting point guard, they're asking too much of him right now. He's averaging forty minutes a game. Again, it's two games. Dude, in. they went to, they double they had overtime. A Sixty
1: minute game. Like, but still,
0: I'd do? rather. Would you rather have shooter on the floor in crunch time? or Smart, yeah, smart because of his defense. Definitely smart because of his defense. No
1: doubt, smart.
0: But if you need offense, like you needed last night, I
1: still want smart.
0: I'd rather have shooter on the offensive side of the ball. I'd rather have Payne and Pritchard shooting
1: than smart. Smart shooting has gotten better. <sighs> Not it th- has it. it has. What did he shoot last night? Over six. Why did we get to overtime in the first game? Yeah, he made a nice shot. Mm-hmm.
0: And then why did we lose? Because he couldn't make a shot. No,
1: because Tatum couldn't make a shot.
0: Yeah, but that's not going to happen on usual. Why now. did
1: we lose? Don't you cannot blame Marcus Smart for that game. Why did we lose? Dennis Schroeder missed a layup at the end of the game. Jalen Brown missed a dunk. He had five turnovers. How about Jason Tatum missing twenty three shots in that game? That's twenty three. possessions. That's not going to happen. With zero points because of Jason Tatum. But if
0: Marcus Smart is your starting point guard, this team is not getting past. Probably not even getting to the Eastern Conference Finals if that happens. Dennis Schroeder needs to play more minutes. Not more minutes than Smart, but you've got to play him. You know what he's he for? He should be the starter. Yeah, but you've got to play him more than 20 minutes a game. You can't play him 14, 17 minutes a game. I think you've got to play a lot more. But again, Imei Doka's rotation right now I think is a lot. you got Bruno Fernando who's not even playing. you got he Dennis Cantor who's not playing.
1: Cantor should be playing.
0: Yeah, and he's played five minutes through two games.
1: Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with Smart. They don't share the minutes.
0: Yeah, but Smart should not be playing 40 minutes a game. He's going to be playing at least 30 every game. What's
1: Brown playing per game right now? Like 42? He only played 20-something last night. That still puts him in the high 30s. played 46 minutes in the first
0: But game. you got to figure out the rotation either way. I don't think Smart, going into the season, they were all confident that Smart's the starting point guard. I don't think he's no, I good like enough to it. be a starting point guard. I didn't guard.
1: like it. I, I mean, he's in a weird spot where, like, I don't think he's, like, a prototypical shooting guard because he's he's got some shooting woes, but... I think he's better than a bench player. I mean, like, on a really good team, like a a Lakers or a a Nets, yeah, he'd be, like, a a really good guy off the bench. But, like, any other team in the league, he's a starter. He's a starter-quality player.
0: Yeah, but he has to show more on offense, and
1: that's just—it's never really been him throughout his NBA career. If we had, like, another guy who was a combo guard, he would be a fine starter. The problem is that we're rolling out smart brown Tatum with two bigs, and you're putting all of the distributing, you know, uh, responsibility on Marcus Smart. If you changed it up and rolled like Smart, we don't really have a guy that can do it. But if you rolled a guy like Smart with another combo guard, instead of putting out two forwards and then two centers, like Horford and, and Williams, then... You, you have a much more cohesive offense, an offense that doesn't rely on Smart to bring the ball up every single time and start to run the, the set play. It, I, I don't think it's Smart's fault. I think it, it takes you know, putting Smart next to a guy that can handle some of that workload, and, and that hasn't been done yet. And regarding
0: the other guys on the team real quick before we get into Brooklyn for a second, I think Josh Richardson's a guy that needs to have a pretty big season for this team, especially yeah, just, with the loss a, of Walker Fournier. Yeah, just
1: like if he was like a 37% three-point shooter, then he does everything I need him to do. That he day. went 4-4
0: four for four last night in his first game, so Perfect. that was a good start. All I need. And he's a guy that can play good defense, a lot better defense than Fournier as well. Yeah. But so that's the Celtics so far. Again, they play two road games, Houston and then who, Charlotte? I don't know. Yeah, they play Charlotte, so it's a two-game. They better at least come back two and two. But we'll see what happens. Moving on real quickly. We saw Brooklyn play the other night. We've seen him play two games. Mm-hmm. This team without Kyrie Irving going into the season, I did my record with Kyrie Irving playing, but right now it doesn't look like he's going to be back for at least a couple months. Mm-hmm. And
1: Why a couple months? Do you think he's going to cave?
0: He said right now that he has no intention to get his shot.
1: So he's never going to play.
0: You think You think if they're like in the playoffs, he'd get it? Yes. Like in the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that?
1: No, not that late. I think that if they were... I think like... If they were a top, like, three seed at the end, like, with 10 games left in the season, he might do it. But when we did our preseason, you know, predictions for the league, I said I would not be completely shocked if Kyrie Irving never plays again. Wouldn't be surprised. That'd be nuts. But so how good is this team without Kyrie Irving? Say he doesn't play
0: the rest of the season. They're what? They're 1-1 one one right now. Yeah. Kevin Durant's obviously going to get his, like he always does. Mm-hmm. James Harden, to me, is a guy that won't be as reliable without Kyrie Irving. Why? Just because he counts on him more. Mm-hmm. Throughout at least two games, he's a guy that... He obviously needs to have the ball in his hands. Yeah. But with Kyrie Irving taking up a lot of that, I feel like Harden's not as good as he usually is with Irving on the floor. But I feel like there's someone else that has to step up, and who's that other guy that's going to step up? Joe Harris?
1: No, you know, I really couldn't tell you. And- Marcus Aldridge? Yeah, it's... You
0: he had 20 last night.
1: Yeah, it's... It's you know the question is how good how good is Brooklyn really, and they're good. They're they're still an above well above average team in the NBA. The whether they have Irving or not does not change the fact that they have two MVPs on their team. They have two MVPs, Harden and Durant. And I personally, I think Harden should be a multiple time MVP, and he's not. Um, At the end of the day, they'll still have those guys. You're right. Kevin Durant's going to get his. Harden is going to get his. And most nights against most teams, that should be enough. They will be an above 500 team. They'll be a playoff team. They'll probably have home court still, even without Irving. But, yeah, you're talking two future Hall of Famers, I mean. If not more. Um, Who, Aldridge? I was going to say Griffin, but I don't know. I don't like, think so. Probably not. Um, they're questionable. Like the, the fact is that these are former All-Stars. These are guys that you know could have good nights. Um, and I think on paper they're a little better than they really are, um, because, unfortunately, look at what they had before they got Harden. They had Irving, they had Durant, and they had a pretty solid bench. They had Lavert, they had Jared Allen, they had you know they had good guys. They had Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. Um, and they sort of traded all of that depth away to go get Harden and say, well, look, we got this big three. We're we're so good, whatever. And now they're back to that two, and they don't have that bench anymore. So. I do think some nights they're going to come up short because of the lack of depth. And I think that on paper, they're better than they look because Aldridge and Griffin on paper, it's like, wow, they got, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, blah, blah, blah. Blake Griffin sucks. Blake Griffin is really bad. Um, I don't even know. If he hasn't been good since he got to Brooklyn. I don't even know if he's worthy of playing. He hasn't been good since he got to Detroit. Um, he it's, it's, it's tough, but with the top tier talent that they have, they could win any game they play, and, and with the, the same, you know, no bench, they could lose any game they play. If you look in the playoffs, obviously they can't do this uh, throughout the season, but you look in the playoffs, Kevin Durant played the entirety of games. He played 48 minutes a game for that stretch against yeah, Milwaukee. A... They won games. They were down to one final shot that could have got them to the conference finals, and they probably would have made the finals too. Um, and it came down to one shot. Like, they, they can go do it. If they make the playoffs, they can beat any team they play. And again, looking at, looking at who they have, it's, it's Patrick hard.
0: Mills. Patrick Mills is a guy that stepped up through two games, too. He was a He's good, a good player. He was a good offseason he's addition. Good player. Paul Millsap's there, too. Again, these are veteran guys. But as long as Durant and Harden stay healthy, this team should be— they, They'll be in the playoffs. They they'll be probably good. be in the top three, top four in the East, regardless. Whether Irving comes back or not, I think he's going to come back at some point. And Joe Harris, to me, is a guy that's a great player. Mm-hmm. Obviously, on the defensive end, he has deficiencies. But if his, if his offense is going like it was— Remember that game against the Celtics, those couple games in the playoffs? He's a guy that can shoot the hell out of the basketball and be that reliable third option if it's not Irving. Definitely. And Griffin, Aldridge. Yeah, Dur- like
1: Harris could go out and have a 20-point game just on pure shooting.
0: Yeah, and even if Durant's not going to play every game, they sit some of those guys on back-to-back Oh, rides. yeah, there,
1: there's going to be what, what we'd call, you know, scheduled losses for, uh, for Brooklyn. They're going to give guys nights off, and they're just going to take DL.
0: But regardless, this is a team that's going to— they're probably going to go far. I don't know if they can make it all the way without Irving, but either way— the, the, East, the East is better than it's been, I think. I still think there's oh, a lot of yeah, good teams. Oh, yeah, I mean,
1: there's other... Like, Chicago looks really good.
0: Atlanta's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Milwaukee, you obviously got Philly.
1: Mm-hmm. Hopefully
0: Boston, but...
1: Yeah, Boston looks fantastic. All right. were they tied for last?
0: Are they really? Who else is 0 too? There's a lot of teams that are 0 too. Oh, I don't know. Cleveland? Orlando, Cleveland, Indiana. Lakers, Dal- Lakers New Orleans, OKC. Hey,
1: I'm not going to go crazy here, but I'd say in the East, the Celtics are... The best 0-2 team there is.
0: Yeah, I me and the rest of them kind of suck. All right, let's get to NFL Week 7. Locks, picks, upsets, bold predictions. Ethan Butt's fantasy
1: kind of question, question of the week. He has a question? Yeah. Fantasy sell high candidates. We'll get there.
0: We'll get there at the end, I told him. I say good question. We'll you know at the end of the show. But Week 7 is, has already started. And me and Jake have already started off the week 0-1 after picking the Denver Broncos, to win that game. But again, there's six teams on by this week. I don't know if I can name them all. I know Buffalo. I know Dallas. Dallas I know four other teams. Um, Jacksonville. I'm thinking of my fantasy, guys. Yeah. Buffalo, Dallas, Jacksonville. Hold on. Jake, can you think? Uh, there's two in the NFC. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's on a bye. Buffalo. Dallas. The Chargers and the Vikings. Pittsburgh. No Pittsburgh. Yeah, and Pittsburgh. You got you got Buffalo, you got Dallas, you get Jacksonville, you get the Chargers, you get the Vikings, and you get the Steelers. So six teams are on a bye. Two were on a bye last week, so that means there's only thirteen games this week. One of them already happened. So let's get to the one o'clock games. So Denver and Cleveland, like I said, we're already 0-1. Made a couple bold predictions as well. So starting tomorrow, 6-1 o'clock games, the Washington football team at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay. Yeah, I got Green Bay. That took a while. I got Green Bay winning this game too. Again, I've never really been too confident on the Washington football team at all. And I like them. The Green Bay Packers are my survivor pool pick of the week. Ooh, I did that once. Yeah, until he was eliminated. All right, so we both got Green Bay. I don't think they're going to have much problems with Washington. Shouldn't. Next up, this is my game of the week. I don't know if it's your game of the week. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans.
1: Definitely not my game of the week.
0: What would be the game of the week? Um, Got to be the game of the week. Yeah, these, There's not too many games to. the These games
1: kind of suck.
0: Kansas City and Tennessee is my game of the week, at least.
1: I don't know. New Orleans and Seattle.
0: I don't think it's a game of the week with Geno Smith against.
1: That's Monday Night Football, baby.
0: Who do you got? Kansas City at Tennessee. Tennessee's coming off a big time win on Monday Night Football. Yeah. And- against Kansas City, a team that hasn't really been too great. Mahomes already has as many interceptions as he had his last season, which is kind of crazy.
1: Very interesting take. I'm going to take Kansas City.
0: Yeah, I got Kansas City winning this game too. You go into this game, you stop Derrick Henry. Is Julio Jones no, even no, no, playing? No, 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 no,
1: no. They're not going to stop Derrick
0: Henry. Yeah, but obviously you stop Derrick Henry. They're not going
1: to stop Derrick Henry. Their defense sucks. But Tennessee's defense also sucks. And I think that the pass is going to work better than the run.
0: Is Julio playing? I don't know. He gets hurt every week. Either way, Casey's winning this game. I think it's going to be a very close game, though. But I agree with you on Kansas City. Next up, Atlanta at Miami. Two is coming back for week two. Miami's lost five games in a row since that Patriots game, you know. Jesus. Five in a row. Atlanta's coming off a bye on the road. I'm taking Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons to win this game. I don't trust two, and I think this Miami offense looks pretty bad right now. Devontae Parker doesn't look like he's suited up for this game either. I get the Falcons. By the way, my bold prediction, Kyle Pitts has at least two touchdowns in this game, plus 115 yards.
1: Jeez. What is it? The the Dolphins just going to, like, let him do it? They they have decent linebackers. Like, why are they... Why are they just letting him do that? I, um, they're still trying. Yeah, they're still trying. Um, I got Miami in this one. I think that Miami's uh-huh. the more well-rounded team. Um, I think that Matt Ryan will give the game away. Close game, though. Sure.
0: All right, so that's three of the six games, one game we disagree on so far. The next game is the New England Patriots at home again. What is this, their fifth home game in their first seven games or something? That's crazy. I believe, yeah, they've only played at the Jets and at Houston so far. So their fifth home game, they're playing nine this well, season. Screwed. And this is a must-win game for the Patriots. We already played once this season. They didn't have really much trouble. I don't think they're going to have that much trouble again. I think they're going to win this game tomorrow, 27-14. to
1: I got the Patriots in this one, too. Uh, 27-14, to that's... Uh, I think they get more. I think they finally break the 30-point mark. I'm going to say the Patriots get 31 and the Jets get 21. Yeah, I don't think the Patriots, if the Patriots do lose
0: this game, you can say goodbye. Bye-bye. But that's, that's the Jets-Patriots. The Patriots favored by 6.5 tomorrow. Next up, Carolina at the Meadowlands to face the New York Giants, a Giants team that feels like their whole entire roster is basically injured. Yeah, right. Carolina's started the season playing pretty well. They haven't been as great lately, but they've surprised my eyes at least, and I don't think they're going to surprise me too much this week because I think they're going to beat the Giants.
1: Yeah, I got Carolina too, a more healthy team. You know, I, know, I know they don't have McCaffrey, Again. but Shuba Hubbard has been pretty good. And I, I had him one time. That, yeah, I think that uh, they're going to take care of business and get the win on the road. Sam yeah. Darnold's been nice. And Yeah, and Carolina is my lock of the week, by the way.
0: Whoa. So Carolina's my Locked lock it. of the week. We haven't said your lock yet.
1: We haven't gotten them
0: yet. All right, next up, 1 o'clock. Divisional matchup, Cincinnati Bengals are 4-2 right now. I don't think yeah. they'd be this good. Yeah. They're playing Baltimore, a Baltimore team that's also playing really well. Lamar Jackson at home wins a lot, and I think he's going to win against Cincinnati this week. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be that good, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I got Lamar, too. I got Baltimore. I think that you know the Cincinnati offense is pretty great. Their defense is not so great, and I think that the Baltimore offense is going to have no issue putting up enough points to get the win here.
0: Yeah, so we both got Baltimore. So a, those are the six 1 o'clock games. Then we get two games kicking off at 4.05. This is a pretty good game, I think. The Philadelphia Eagles at the Las Vegas Raiders. A Vegas team that's been better than most people have thought so far. Jalen Hurts against Derek Carr. Second game without Mr. Gruden. I got the Eagles winning this game on the road. This is my upset of the week. I think Jalen Hurts makes this Las Vegas Raiders defense look pretty, pretty poor this week.
1: My upset pick of the week is not different than Justin's. Really? I also have Philadelphia winning this game. Um, upset of the week, Philadelphia over the formerly Oakland Raiders.
0: Yeah, so we both get Philly. Wow, same upset of the week. It's pretty interesting. It's not the
1: first time. It we, we both had Jacksonville last week. Yeah, you're right. All right.
0: couple. These next three games are all at least 10-point favorites, which is kind of crazy. Sunday at 4.05, The Detroit Lions are at the L.A. Rams. Rams are favored by 15.5 points in this game. I think they're going to win, but they're not going to cover.
1: I think they're going to win and cover. Detroit, you know, I I gave them a lot of credit last week. I said, you know, you're a good team. Just Cincinnati's better, and it's not your week. Unfortunately, the schedule uh, is not really in their favor because the Rams are going to beat up on them too. And they're a good team, but the Rams are maybe the best team in the league here. Like, I I mean— Arizona might be better, but the, no one is really just getting past the Rams easily. Um, and I, I don't think Detroit's going to really do much at all. I think the Rams are going to take care of business early and often. You know what's pretty cool about this game, right? Yeah, the rematch. Jared right? Goff's playing, Jerry Goff's playing his former game.
0: team. Matthew Stafford's playing against Detroit. So Goff against the Rams, Stafford against the Lions. Pretty interesting.
1: The revenge game on both sides.
0: Sunday at 425, houston Against the only undefeated team in football, the Arizona Cardinals are 18.5-point favorite. They're
1: going to stay undefeated.
0: Arizona is going to move to 7-0. Kyler Murray looks like the MVP right now. I okay. get Arizona winning this game. My second bold prediction of the week, Kyler Murray does not play in the fourth quarter because it's such a blowout.
1: Wow. I think he does play. I think it's that, he's that kind of guy. I don't, I don't think that Kingsbury and Murray are, are the kind of guys that just say, we'll take this quarter off. It's a bold um, prediction. Don't get so bold, man. So, Um, yeah, Arizona shouldn't have any problem. Arizona's going to murder them for sure.
0: Davis Mills against Kyler Murray. It's a good
1: matchup.
0: And then the last 425 game, I assume this is the one that will probably be on TV. Tom Brady at home against the Chicago Bears. This one's a 12.5 point favorite. I get Tampa Bay winning. I just don't think... This is interesting. It's a rookie against Brady. Justin Fields. Brady usually dominates rookies. I think he's going to dominate Justin Fields. Tampa wins pretty easily. It's
1: interesting that that is... A stat that people look at, you know, Brady dominates rookies. When the fact of the matter is, they never actually play against each other. Um, they're only playing their opposing defenses. Yeah, it is true. Um, I don't
0: it, think Chicago's defense is that good, though.
1: No, it's not like fantastic. They're they're all right. Um, Tim Bay's defense has been a little lackluster, also. I think the Tampa Bay wins this game. I don't think that it's you know a total blowout. I think Chicago can keep it within a couple scores, but Tampa Bay is not gonna have a problem here.
0: All right, and then we got Sunday night football, Monday night football, Sunday night football. These are decent games. I mean, they're not bad. Sunday night, you got Indianapolis, Carson Wentz against Jimmy Garoppolo, who's returning this week on Sunday night football. I'm taking Indianapolis on the road. Again, I'm not too high on Indianapolis. I've never been a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I've never really been a Carson Wentz fan, but I feel like this Indianapolis Colts offense finds a way to get going this week. Watch out for T.Y. Hilton.
1: Okay, I'll watch out for T.Y. Hilton. Why don't you watch out for Debo Samuel, who's actually been balling all year long. I have the 49ers here. I'm actually going to lock it in as my lock of the week. San um, Francisco. Yeah, Jimmy coming back. I'm not a fan of Jimmy. I don't really like Jimmy. I just think that San Francisco is a much more cohesive unit than Indy this year. And Carson Wentz has, has no business beating the San Francisco 49ers on the road. Um, I, I think the 49ers take care of it at home. They're a pretty good home team.
0: This is a good game, though. I feel like it's going to be close the whole way through. Could be. Kind of weird Sunday night game, but Jimmy G and Carson went, So that's the second game we disagree with. And then the Monday night game this week is the New Orleans Saints and the Seattle Seahawks. Unfortunately, Russell Wilson gets hurt right before they have two primetime games. But you can't change that. So it's Geno Smith on Monday night football against Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Jameis Winston. Seattle being at home almost made me pick Seattle, but I think the Saints team's too talented. I think Geno Smith's going to struggle in this game. And the Saints' defense is pretty good.
1: The Saints' defense is great.
0: So I'm going with the Saints.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got I got the Saints here. And, you know, it's not like... Like, Gino's actually been decent. Um, and the Saints haven't been, like, the best team in the league. But to me, there's there's something to be said about this, like, unmeasurable factor of, like, a veteran defense and... It, you know, veteran coaching going up against a quarterback who's still definitely getting into like his feels for being a starter again and you know, and an offense that's missing its starting running back. I, I just think that the offense will be limited enough that the defense will be able to, to contain it and keep them at bay and and the New Orleans offense should not have much issue against the Seattle defense.
0: I think these are both, the Sunday night and Monday night games are both going to be one possession yeah, un- games. I'm
1: going to go underrated games this week for sure.
0: I think they're going to be close games, both of them. Again, we have three games that are approximately going to be blow- blowouts. the Tampa Bay, the Rams, the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Big time spreads this week. But that's the Sunday night game, that's the Monday night game. We're going to end the show with the fantasy football question of the week from Ethan Butt. Actually, Jacob Siegel just submitted a question to me during the show. Let me see, let me see, let me see. All right, we'll get, to, we'll get to Ethan's first just because he was first. So, F you, Jacob. I'm just kidding. All right, so Ethan Butt said somewhere on the comments that... There it is. 17 minutes ago, the fantasy sell high candidates. I haven't really had much time to think about it, but give me a sec, give me a sec. You know, I'm going to... I'll think of a couple, but sell high candidates. I don't want to give away any of my guys, so maybe I'll give away yeah, some my, of your my, guys.
1: My first thought is, you know, we're... We're now coming up on seven games into the season. The
0: season's flying.
1: For me, that is already past the point of a sell-high candidate. Well, when's the trade
0: deadline, mostly? Middle of November? Middle of
1: November. Um, but if you... To me, if you have someone who has consistently played for you and won you games seven weeks into a season, that's not a sell-high candidate. That's a guy you need on your team. Um Now, obviously, there's there's factors that go into that, like, oh, you know, somebody else was missing and it's given this guy more time and opportunity and whatever. And I think that that, you know, that there's something to be said to that. But overall, my my point still stands. I, I think that if you have someone who's, you know, almost halfway through your year consistently putting up numbers for you, that's been great. I would keep them. I think that that... Hey, is, I've never been a big sell-high yeah, guy. Yeah, I, th- I would keep them. I, I would keep a guy that's consistently performing for you unless you can go out and get a big name that, you know, has been down. It, you know, to me, sell-high also comes with buy-low. You you sell-high on a player to get someone who maybe is going to step up later down the line and win you some playoff games. Um, if I had to come up with one... One name thing, came to mind for me. One name came to mind for me.
0: Who was it? This guy's a receiver. This guy's a receiver. Is he in the NFC? No. All right, well, my guy... Is- I mean, I've never been a huge fan of this guy. I, if I'm going to sell high on someone, Debo Samuel has been really good Whoa, so far. no,
1: no, no. So I think so, you were going to say that. Too. I'd
0: sell high on Debo Samuel. I don't think he's going to keep it up. See, if, that, that's regarding like, the buy that, low thing, if you think about it in this way, like, ooh, think about it. Geno Smith's the quarterback right now, but Russell Wilson's going to come back, so maybe sell... Well, injury... Like, Russell injury Wilson, DK different. Metcalf, injury,
1: injury is different than poor performance. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, you know, somebody that just hasn't been putting up the numbers you want. Like, if you were... This guy, to me, you can go out and get pretty easily at this point. But if you were like, oh, you know, Kenny Galladay has been great in years past when he's healthy. And right now he's, you know, not done much at all. I think as the year goes on, he's going to be a bigger part of that offense. Yeah, go, go get Kenny Galladay as a buy low guy. But for me, one sell high that came to mind is an A receiver. He's actually in the AFC. And to me, that is Michael Pittman. Um, Why, because is back? Yes, because TY is back. Now, I don't think T.Y.'s going to But Pittman over, hasn't even yeah, been that great. I, he has been pretty good. Um, you think so? I, yeah. I don't think TY is going to come in and take over that offense and take away everything Pittman's been doing. I think Pittman's <laughs> going to consistently be targeted. I think he's going to be a good receiver. You're not just going to, like, dump a guy and then the next week you're going to say, thank God I dumped that guy. He's not going to do anything for me anymore. But... You you are going to move a guy who's been fairly hot and gotten a lot of targets, and he's probably going to lose some of his target share to T.Y. Hilton. Um, so I think that Michael Pittman could be a guy that you go out and move in exchange for a bigger-name player that you hopefully can get a higher ceiling out of oh, as yeah. the year goes on. Yeah, no
0: doubt about that. And regarding sell-high, like I said, I'm not really a huge sell-high guy, but... Who knows? I, I do like Debo Samuel. Yeah,
1: you like to wait until they do absolutely nothing for you and then try and pawn them off to other people. Yeah, and
0: then win championships. That's yeah, what I usually yeah. yeah. do. But we'll see. And then Jacob Siegel's question is Is it worth considering to drop OBJ? My answer to that is sixty percent yes. You kidding? No. This guy continues to disappoint no, me no. year see, after year after year.
1: Here's here's why in, in a vacuum. Okay? He has too much talent. In a vacuum as in, there's nothing else going on here. There's no outside factors, nothing to look at at all outside of should you or should you not have Odell Beckham Jr. on your roster. I'm leaning towards keeping him. Now, it's close. I In, in that in that perspective, I 100% am like, well, you know, this guy's not going to do much for you right now. But if you need him and you're like, oh, you know, I'm down on receivers. All I have to put in is OBJ. I'm a lot more comfortable with doing that than I am doing you know some you know secondary guy that I've never heard of or whatever but when you look at the the entirety of a team's roster and you know your team in particular I don't know who you have but in my mind most teams probably 9 out of 10 are going to have someone that is more of a droppable guy than Odell Beckham. Yeah, well, like, I'd rather trade him. Like, yeah, like that. To me, Odell is not a guy that you're like, oh, yeah, this is it for me. All, I, all I, My only option with Odell is to drop him. That doesn't make sense to me. I think you could easily package him into a deal as like a sweetener. If you were like – if someone – someone, if you and someone else were close on trade and it was like, well, I'll throw in Odell – To me, that'd be like, oh, well, I'm getting Odell too. Sure. Even if he hasn't been great, it's like, well, there's a chance Odell does good, so I'll take him. Sure. That's going to make the deal move for me. That's going to make the needle turn. But there's got to be worse guys on your team too. Like there's got to be some backup running back you're holding as like a handcuff that really shouldn't be held. Or some receiver that had like two good weeks early in the year and has put up like three straight duds since then. I think you're better off dropping that guy than you are dropping Odell. I would much rather keep Odell over one of those other guys.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't drop him, but unless you had like – Maybe you're really deep at receiver and you had four or five, and you tried trading him and you couldn't get a trade off for him. Well, maybe. Not
1: gonna, it's not going to be like, well, I'll give you Odell for whoever. It's it's sweet, no part to of me the deal. Is the sweetener. Odell's a good sweetener.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't drop him really. Realistically, at least, Mm-mm. this is a guy that obviously has a ton of potential. And don't forget, Baker Mayfield hasn't really been 100 percent healthy either.
1: Yeah, wait for him to come back.
0: And Jarvis Landry coming back doesn't help matters either. It might, but some of the attention could be not on him as much as it was before. Yeah. So you never know. Yeah. But those are the questions of the week. We'll be back here for week 61. Good show, everybody. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for the likes. Thanks for listening to the show. But we'll be back there week 61 and give you some more input on football, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever else you want. For Jake Platter, I'm Justin Miller. Thanks for listening, everyone.